0: hey I'm Brian Hunt from Hidden Rose Forge and you're listening to the work for it podcast
1: yeah we're back at it again with Brian Hunt first time on the podcast Brian how you doing?
0: Great good to be here.
1: Yeah man I'm so excited to have you on you know I told you that we're just gonna practice the intro and I totally just launched it in because I figured that would go well and you did a great job. Good job Brian. Well, thanks. Also, great job on spelling your name right. There's no eyes anywhere in this podcast today. Love it. Yeah. Except for maybe hidden rose board. Uh, okay, that was stupid. That was a bad joke. My bad. My bad. <laughs> so Brian, what's going on in your shop this week? Is there anything fun going on?
0: Uh I'm working on a batch of my uh, buoy chef's knives. Uh, Ooh. spent about uh, Three and a half hours hand sanding last night. Get, uh, <laughs> three of them uh, mostly ready. I'll have a little bit of touch up to do on them after the maker's mark, but uh, they're get, they're getting close to handles.
1: That's awesome. So you're hand sanding some buoy chef knives. That's not normally a combination you think of, but I. I know your chef knives are really like the design of your chef knives are so incredibly cool. Do you want to talk about like the inspiration you had to do a Bowie, a Bowie chef knife? That's almost weird to say.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I'd made a couple uh, full tang Bowie choppers, um, uh-huh. uh, and I had a friend who was his his wife was wanting to get him a chef knife. Okay. But he's not much of a in the kitchen type. Of a cook, he's he, he's more of a barbecue out in hunting camp. That type of a that's oh. when he cooks. So okay. she wanted to get him something that was very, you know, outdoorsy looking and you know very manly,
1: utilitarian,
0: tactical yes. almost. <laughs> yes, a tactical <laughs> tactical Bowie chef's knife.
1: Okay, well, I mean that is a killer combination and. You know, if you're if you collect chef knives, I feel like there's not a whole lot of people that are doing Bowie chef knives. Like, how cool is that?
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's that's actually um, coming up with branding for some of the designs I've decided to make multiple times. Sure. So I'm gonna be calling that one the Fighting Chef.
1: Okay. All right. So what is it in the profile that makes it different to call it a Bowie chef knife?
0: Oh, I tried to take just the classic bowie-nice shape and then okay. uh, with specifically the larger drop point okay. on it. Okay, all right. And then uh, obviously f- take out any recurve and, and flatten it because that's right, how right, the, right. the original design that she liked was a recurve bowie chopper. So
1: if you're looking at it from an edge geometry state of mind you know it's it's more cl- like it's going to cut like a french chef knife or a western yeah. chef knife but the spine of it just gives it that little bit of cool factor that you know yeah. puts you above the rest
0: just <laughs> definitely something unique i haven't really seen anything like it
1: yeah very cool very cool so is this the first one that you're making or have you no, made this design before? i've
0: actually i've actually made that knife for now close to a little over a year Okay, um, i made the first one probably uh june of 2021
1: great great and how like it seems like this this is something that you know you made and you fell in love with it so you know did you get good feedback from the person you made it for first?
0: Yeah, well, they loved it, and okay. uh, they liked the fact that it was more out there as far as like the shape of it, and sure, sure. Like also, it had like a larger, like not quite a chopper-sized handle, but okay. closer to that than what a lot of what like my french style or my japanese style chef's knife handle has so it's more of a it looks like it was a chopper but if you look at it just from the edge uh just in a profile picture of it mm-hmm. um but then i've you know obviously brought the uh it's not fat like a to lock keep your hand locked in like a like a chopper would be so like, okay. i i I took some of the hook at the end of the knife, mm. uh, end of the handle, out so that you could more easily move your hand up for a pinch grip and gotcha. just make it gotcha. more more uh, able to be utilized as sure. an actual chef's knife, not just a gimmick.
1: <laughs> See, that's the difference between, because there's so many people out there that are doing gimmicks, they're doing, you know, I'm, I could come up with something off the top of my head, a, a, you know. But there's so many people that are doing these crazy things that just really it's just something that is a wow factor, a head turner and Mm -hmm. not something that would be comfortable to use every single day. So it's awesome to me that you are going above and beyond. And yes, you are making a head turning knife in profile, but you're also making it so that it's it's actually usable. I feel like that's key.
0: Yeah, and actually, when you talk about gimmicky knives, that's actually part of why I designed it. Because when I first started making, a lot of my uh, friends had been seeing the ads for the Serbian chefs' knives. Oh God! And <laughs> exactly, that, that's chef. my my reaction as well. Sure. Um, and when I first started, I couldn't make one because I had a tiny forge that I made and was using map gas torches for my heat treat Um, oh yeah so it wasn't physically big enough to actually make a serbian chest knife so i wanted to come up with something cool that kind of was also very utilitarian while still looking cool
1: sure so you talked about you know back in the day when you were working out of a map gas torch you know Tell us all about, like, the the getting into knife. What was it that got you into knife making so that you could – I imagine you just tried to get things together as cheap as possible so you could make something happen. So bring us back to, you know, Brian, spelled with a Y, decided to make a, you know, first your first ever knife. Tell us all about that process and what got you into it.
0: So obviously a lot of people now, they started with Forge and Fire – Yep. Um sure. as kind of a, a bit of an inspiration. And what the bit I'd always been making things growing up, whether it was wood turning or some you know, small woodworking projects, things like that. Um and I was looking for a new hobby, um because we had just recently had a kid and my wife's obviously that changed my my wife's lifestyle a lot having kids around um so like before we would just sit on the couch watch something and you know just hang out you know play video games whatever sure and adding a child to that my wife couldn't do what she normally did she loves to cross stitch and okay having kids she couldn't really do that anymore because mm. it takes a lot of focus because you're counting tiny stitches and things like that um, so she when really did. You have little ones running anymore.
1: around all the time. You get, you know, 28, 29. Oh, yeah, go ahead and put that over there. Uh, shit.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: And, yeah, I can and see she, that happening a lot. She
0: would do these big, large, like, she's fast at it, and she'd be doing these huge cross stitch patterns that are sure. super complicated. Like, one of them had, uh, like, 250 different colors. Of Whoa! In it. Hold yeah.
1: on, that's that's like next next level.
0: Yeah, like these are crazy. It would take her like four to five months to finish this, working on it for like two to three hours a night. Like wow, huge that's impressive. patterns. They're they're awesome. Um, so she couldn't do that anymore, and uh, conveniently, and sure. uh, so I was just looking to make a list. I'll change it on my side because.
1: Can I interrupt for just a second? Absolutely. So um, I want to see one of these crazy cross-stitch. Because, like, of course, we're talking about, you know, Brian Hunt here. But it sounds like your your family is very talented all the way around. Could yeah. you do, like, an Instagram story when, um, when this goes up, like, when this podcast yeah. goes up, just so that, like, we can see this really cool cross-stitch? Because 150 sub- – hundreds of colors in a cross stitch that is amazing yeah. if you have a picture of that
0: yeah um i'll i'll, I'll definitely post a, a story or a reel or a something because she's done like five four or five of these that are on that right. scale and they're so cool they're pretty awesome
1: this is a perfect spot to plug yourself hidden rose forge go check out hidden rose forge on instagram where where else can they find you
0: Um, Hidden Rose Forge on Facebook and uh, hopefully by the time this episode is up I will have a website that will be HiddenRoseForge.com Okay,
1: so let's jump back into your story before I rudely interrupted. You were, you know, the lifestyle change was happening.
0: Yeah, um, and just looking for a new hobby that wasn't sitting on the couch doing absolutely nothing. Sure, Um, sure. And uh, having watched Forge and Fire and seeing the the home builds and Mm -hmm. the amount of equipment that was in a lot of these shops and seeing how like there were several winners at least in the season i was watching where they were working on like a two by 40 or a four by 36 inch belt grinder and looking into the pricing of that stuff and realizing i could get into this for very little Uh, Mm -hmm. Comparatively speaking To see if I wanted to do it
1: Sure, sure
0: And also I've always been a Knife collector And I actually made I don't know exactly where it is But uh, I made a Buck Vanguard knife Out of oak That is almost a When I was 12 And it is almost a perfect Replica of the Buck Vanguard knife That's so cool is actually sharp enough I cut myself on it.
1: Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> that's super impressive for sure. So you are getting together. What grinder were you on? Tell us about the forge you had to build with the map gas torches.
0: So I ended up getting a 1x30 Harbor Freight special.
1: I was there, right there with you. I still and, have that uh, thing kicking around just for old time's sake.
0: And then I did the uh, Outdoor 55 two-brick uh two fire brick soft fire brick (laughs) forge build i Um, was so
1: close to doing the same thing when i started
0: yeah so i i had that set up and i got two very cheap um propane torches got a splitter so that i could hook it up to a propane tank so i Mm -hmm. wasn't constantly going through the little cylinders Sure. And that was my forge. And the first knife I made was out of a uh, lawnmower blade that I put in there and flattened. And thankfully, it it didn't end up being a a very high-carbon steel because it it didn't really harden. It it doesn't really keep an edge very well, which is probably why it didn't crack horribly when I (laughs) quenched it because I definitely did a lot of cold forging on it. Right, um, right. And I was forging on a uh, vice that had an anvil on the back of it.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. And
0: chipped it up pretty good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah, I was right there with you. I'm really impressed that you forged your first knife. I, that's that's far and above most, uh, at forge least would Forge would be a right.
0: bit of a stretch. Because basically I flattened it and lengthened the blade by a – drew it out – Grant, this took me like three hours to draw it out like two inches. <laughs> hey man, it's still
1: it's still heat and pressure. That's yeah. that's forging. That's that's the basis of it. I, I would call it a forge knife.
0: So, yeah, that, that was my first knife, and my, my wife still uses it. Um, she uses it as a garden knife to nice. harvest stuff from our garden and uh, <laughs> I'm things just like that because it's a, a knife that has an edge, and it's super easy to put an edge on it because it's soft. Right, um, right. Where she doesn't have to worry about ruining it because it's not a great knife and uh, doesn't have to worry about get, keep, uh, you know, messing around, you know, uh, Going in the dirt with it and sure, hitting sure. rocks and stuff.
1: I am envisioning your wife out there gardening and using it as a trowel instead of as a knife. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I it's think just funny. That
0: maybe the only time she'd ever use it like that is harvesting radishes, but okay, All right. that might be a stretch too. <laughs> sure,
1: sure. So you touched upon shortly, you talked about in your childhood doing wood turning and woodworking. How, what was that? I imagine was wood, wood, was one of those wood projects the thing that turned on your mic maker switch that got you into making in general?
0: Um, no, well, not necessarily even just that. It is that, uh, that time turning was time I spent with my dad in his shop. Oh, okay. Um, he is a very well known, uh, general contractor up in the Fairbanks area of Alaska. Okay. Um, He he was never part of a, uh, guild or, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a, uh, Shoot, it's, it's uh, slipping is my mind. Is there some sort of like a society or I no, guess but, I don't know? but like a union. There we go. Union, but, there it is. <laughs> That's the word.
1: Don't you hate it when you're on the <laughs> mic and all of a sudden your brain goes blank? Absolutely. I've um, never experienced that before.
0: <laughs> yeah. So he, he was part of uh, a union, so he wouldn't. there wasn't really a classification, but okay. you would classify him as a master carpenter. Um, okay. The house that they um, – had up in alaska before they they moved out of the state he built all the trim all the cabinets there is close to a mile of trim in that house wow like that's impressive and he he built all of it handmade all the cabinets um yeah it's a crazy crazy cool house with all the custom Trim I
1: I'm hyping up your Instagram stories as soon as this comes out. But right next to your wife's really cool, you know, cross stitch, if you have pictures of some of your dad's work too, man, wouldn't it be cool to do like a little family, you know, absolutely slideshow. <laughs>
0: so yeah, that's again actually... go to
1: Hidden Rose Forge. We gotta shout this guy out again. <laughs> Head on over and check him out.
0: So yeah, that's actually something that uh is going to jumpstart my shop space. Um, They are moving here from Alaska because uh, 40 years in Alaska, 40 years of Alaskan winters, there's been enough for them, and all the grandkids live here in Idaho.
1: So you grew up up there in Alaska? We're in
0: Alaska? It's a Um, huge, huge state. Huge state, very small population. I grew up in North Pole, Alaska.
1: (laughs) Did you know Santa?
0: Uh, that's the question everybody asks me. I and, know. I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. I've known, yes, I've, I've known Santa. Um, <laughs> there's the Santa Claus house in North pole and all the light poles, uh, along the road are shaped like candy canes and painted like candy canes. That's awesome. So there's very much uh, marketing in the city around Santa North Claus pole. and sure. being the North pole. Okay. Um, funny story with that. The, uh, the reason the city is named north pole is they were trying to get a toy manufacturer to move ah. there
1: <laughs> so they
0: named the city north pole because there's an oil refinery there so they would be able to manufacture plastics there mm. um and that didn't work but we are now settled saddled with the uh name of north pole alaska
1: That is so funny. The failed endeavors to bring in a toy company makes it so that you guys are known as North Pole.
0: Yeah. Wow. At least that's the story I've heard. I don't know how correct that is, but that is one of the... that obviously well before my time. I feel like that's
1: so believable, though. That's too good of a story not to be true.
0: There has to be at least some truth in it.
1: So we talked about, you know, your... So again, let's let's go back. I mean, we didn't quite make it to the question. What was it? What was it that turned on your maker switch? What made you a maker?
0: Um, like I was saying, uh, being in the shop with my dad, being right. able to spend time with him. Uh, in well, I the guess shop.
1: if I could really narrow it down, do you remember a specific project that you like really latched onto that made you love making?
0: Um, it was when I was. Probably around 7, we did a turning project um, for homeschooling for making a lamp. And it was just really, really cool to be able to take this square chunk of wood Mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously we were a little – did it slower than I could do it now. Um, Sure. But in the course of a very short period of time, take that very bland chunk of wood and turn it into – a lamp. Wow. Um. Obviously, that's quite it, it's quite the project. It still well, it still needed to be you know drilled out through the center and and wired, but like made the the body of the lamp. Sure,
1: sure. Well, cool. That's that's still another like that's a that's very different from anyone that I've talked to about what's what's your you know first project. That's that's an interesting one.
0: Yeah. So then, uh, through grade school high school um i started working with my dad um at his uh framing framing business um, when i was 14 and so i was always making houses and in uh, the winter that was kind of the downtime because the see the building season is very short up there it's yeah uh, i can imagine if you don't have a foundation in the ground this building season is like may to october which is more like may to august because everybody takes almost the entire month of september off to go hunting
1: (laughs) that makes sense that makes a lot of sense (laughs) for sure for sure so you said that they were coming down to build a shop are you
0: i assume that there's a big shop update coming it will be if we ever get permits. The oh. permit process has dragged on and on forever. Um, we started the process in April or wow. mar- March, and we're hoping to get the building permits for the house and the shop this week. <laughs> so I guess what it,
1: what what's the what do you have to do?
0: Um, it's a lot of it has been. Very poor communication on Mm. the part of build planning and zoning. Like, there's been several parts times when it's just been three weeks of nothing coming from them, and then we finally asked them, and we needed to do another thing in order for them to progress. And it's like, send me an email, please, or call me. So now we've taken the, uh, initiative to where if we don't have heard anything within you know two or three days of the next process that needs to happen we're on the phone we're going in there and talking to them and hopefully we'll just get it by biting them to death it sounds like you have to be
1: the squeaky wheel with them because they're not really working with you uh
0: yes that's that's, that's... the feeling i've gotten through a lot of this process yeah
1: now you said the shop and a house
0: yeah, so, so we we have uh, six and a half acres, and mm-hmm. we've tamed about three acres of that. And so then <laughs> we are subdivided and sold, my parents, uh, the three acres uh, oh. above us, and he's building a, his his woodworking shop between our houses.
1: I love the fact that your dad is building the house, and it's like, Man, how how f- it's gonna be a blast in the past for you because you grew up working with them mm-hmm. on that type of stuff. So I imagine it's been years and years since you've been able to do that since they've been up in Alaska. So this has to be like a you know coming together, whether it's good coming together or you know you know <laughs> I feel like I'm 14 again.
0: <laughs> yeah, except this time I'm not gonna be getting paid. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got paid when you paid, or you, when they uh, b- bought the land from you.
0: Yeah, so part of that was um, the reason why we did that is we wanted to do an addition on our house, and okay. we couldn't afford to do the addition um, just with the cost of materials and whatnot. Sure. Um, and with the for them, the price of land was so ridiculous that they basically were going to lose most of their profit on selling their house in Alaska mm. to move down here. And by the acreage they wanted, like the prices wh- where they were wanting to get, were absolutely ridiculous. Like, sure way, way more than what we would be selling ours for. Um, and so we're going to be able to do the addition on our house after they are finished with their house. Because um, there's going to be a point where we have to live with them f- during it, because we have to tear open a big chunk of the house to do this. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Well, it seems like a pretty good win-win. I mean, you you get to have your family back nice and close, as close as humanly possible, like right there. You
0: yeah, know, it's going to be it's gonna be nice because they'll be far enough away where we won't be on top of each other, sure. but close enough where the kids can go up and see Grandpa and Grandma anytime they want.
1: Man, when I was growing up, my first job was working for a family friend called the Filkins family, and they were the they had basically you know the the Mr. Philkins had a big giant area of land. I forget exactly how large it is, but the pond that was in it was three acres big.
0: Oh wow! And
1: I mean it was a very large area of land. But the, he also had his two you know two of his three children also living. You know there is the front half was the first kids, and then the center portion was Mr. Philkins' house. And then a little bit down, a little bit further into, you know, the what we called the Filkins compound, a little bit further in was the other, you know, the other kid's house. And it, it the family was so incredibly close because of it. And the it, mm-hmm. there's still enough room where everyone has their own area and you still feel independent. But it's also close enough where you can have dinner every night if you want to together.
0: Yeah. And see, that was another thing going back to growing up in Alaska where... My family, um, the closest family, lived in Colorado. Right. Um, So it was not, like, an easy or cheap or quick trip to get to any of my family. Actually, I guess my closest family would have been in Calgary. Sure, sure.
1: But, I mean, there's still an international border between you guys. Like, that's huge. That's huge. So I I just really, like, that's that's super attractive to me to have family. I mean – have family that close has to be a dream especially with the kids growing up
0: yeah it's 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 been a lot of fun having seeing the interactions with my kids and papa
1: right right how cool is that super cool so we kind of breezed past a little bit on your your house i watched a did you do an instagram reel where you're you're showing the process of your six years on your fixer upper house
0: Yeah, so that was some of the photos of what we've done on this property since we bought it. This is a 1910 farmhouse um, that we bought back in uh, 2016 um, with six and a half acres. Nice. And so it's just been uh, crazy, the whole process of getting the house livable Right, <laughs> and uh, improving it to where it's where we want it to be,
1: right. I know just looking at that slideshow you put together, it was it looked like there was a lot that needed to be done, and you did it all yourself.
0: yeah, so we <laughs> when we bought the place, we went to the bank to get the loan, mm-hmm. and they we were pre-approved, great. They asked what the address of the building was, and then they came back the next day and said, "I'm sorry, we can't loan on that house. It is oh, too bad of shape. It was unmortgageable wow. from a bank."
1: Was it? Was it condemned?
0: It should have been. Oh, like, okay. it was bad. <laughs> like we we gutted the entire house, like right down was, to the studs, back to bare studs. It it was very sturdy, um, framing wise, but we did have to put in. Uh, about six beams under the house to support the floor properly. Wow! <laughs> so that wow. was a very fun process, and one section of the floor actually had to be raised up six inches. What for? Uh, to Just get for it to, those beams to get, to get, in get there? it to get it to almost level.
1: Whoa! That's... Six inches out of level.
0: Yes, and then we oh had to. Oh my
1: god!
0: Yeah, <laughs> so it was it was quite. There was a brick fireplace uh that was sitting on top of an that un- that was too far away from a beam which is okay. why we ended up putting a beam there right um so it had made the floor sink almost six inches right there where the oh where the God. fireplace was
1: so whoever put in that brick fireplace didn't support it with anything
0: the supports were there they just never put a post underneath the support to actually <laughs> properly support it
1: so <laughs> so it was nowhere near code even remotely no
0: oh uh, oh well back um,
1: then i'm sure they didn't really have codes
0: so it was built in 1910 and moved to its current place in the 50s
1: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> so, it, so not, not only, only was, was it, it built a long time ago, it was moved.
1: It was moved. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> I'm just imagining this poor house, you know, this this house that's not really built up to code, super, I mean, no offense to your house, you've done a lot of work and it looks fantastic, but janky, like, just in its oh. construction before you got to work on it. And so. then imagine moving that thing to- <laughs>
0: So oh my gosh, so many Janky things could have doesn't gone wrong. even really cover it. Um, okay, when the guy who originally put it here put it here, he put it on the neighbor's property.
1: Oh my god!
0: So through this whole process of subdividing, we had to have our neighbor redeed us about fifteen feet of their property so that the house would be far enough off the property line for it to comply with the regulations.
1: Oh, I wonder I, – I'm sure that conversation was a real nice one because he has you bent over a well, barrel.
0: Thankfully, we have awesome neighbors, and it was basically just a formality of okay. this needs to be done. Like, Man, that there, man
1: could have screwed you so bad, though.
0: But there was already a fence there where the property line needed to be moved to.
1: Okay.
0: So it wasn't like they actually felt like they lost property, and we have awesome neighbors. Right. Um, so they made the whole process – about as easy as you could possibly imagine it being nice but uh also when he moved it here he it was moved under a permit for a garden shed
1: (laughs) (laughs) i can just imagine the huckster this guy must have been oh (laughs) it as a garden shed to move it
0: To hear the stories of this guy, he would have been an absolute nightmare to deal with, because like our neighbor above us, their house, he moved that house as well, and he came in at night, and cut the neighbor who still lives who, who lives uh, on the other side of us, cut down his fence so he could move the house onto without, that property without well, asking, and then didn't fix it. Oh so this my This guy was a piece of work, and thankfully, oh my goodness, he was. It moved on a long time before we got involved with this. But, yeah, it was wow. – to hear the stories of this was were quite interesting, to hear the history of it.
1: I just want to hear, like, a story from that guy because you can just imagine the, the 50s era, hus, you know, huckster trying to skirt the rules, trying to make things happen without anybody finding out. I know that that man has a, a crazy life story.
0: Yeah, and a life story of nobody liking him.
1: Right, right, right. He's constantly and that's another key point of it. Over. Oh my goodness, that is hilarious! So you had to put in so much work to even just level it out, put supports in there. What else? Is there any other big projects that you had to do? To uh, I, I can see the smile on your face <laughs> on the on the video call.
0: Tell us, uh, tell us
1: all about it. What do you think? So,
0: on my day job, I'm an electrical design engineer. And this house had knob and tube wiring. Okay. So not the best for sa- fire safety-wise. Sure. And then when we got under the house to level it, we found just Romex wires wire netted together with a free ground just well, sitting see, under the house. Well, see, here's the thing.
1: It's, it's a garden shed, so of course it's <laughs> wired with sub subpar. <laughs>
0: So it was one of those things where, like, as soon as possible, we wired up a couple outlets off of new circuits that were actually done to code and Mm -hmm. tore so we could work and then tore all the wiring out of the house. Like, that was actually, after we got the walls opened up, that was, like, the first thing we did. Right. Right. Um, And then we had to cut out all of the waste plumbing system as well. Because Let me guess, none of it pipes. was to, not lead pipes, but almost as bad. Well, okay. Almost as bad as far as what the code compliance goes okay. of okay. it. But like not having a proper P trap and like to where sewer gases were coming up in the laundry room oh jeez um event coming up it. right outside the kitchen window just straight through the wall like what? like i said this house was janky like crazy like oh my goodness but we could see the potential in it and we got a absolutely great deal on it like sure and uh so we gutted the house uh took all the lath and plaster out um we took we figured we had a dumpster for all the junk we took out of it and i I think I might have the number wrong, but I think we ended up taking out something like ten tons of junk out of this house. What? Or wow. it ended up in the dumpster because we were, we it was billed per weight, so it was right. at least ten tons of stuff. Obviously, the the plaster, which is probably asbestos plaster. Right, <laughs> um, right. Hope you're uh, taking
1: all the proper. Proper precautions on that one.
0: Well, we all, we all wore the respirators, okay, and okay. and the bunny suits when we were doing most of the most of the cleanup. But yeah, it was it was quite the uh, ordeal. And then the one of the previous this house was rented for a while too. Um,
1: what? Oh, sorry, not like right before you bought it.
0: No, but like about twenty years before we bought it, they, wow. there were renters in this house. Um, and apparently they had a lot of animals and they had, they had carpeted over these hardwood floors. So there's this gorgeous hardwood floors. And then we started pulling up the carpet. We're like, oh man, we could just refinish this and we won't have to pay anything for getting a nice floor. Okay. And as we were pulling up the carpet in a lot of the corners, there was, urine stains down into and so we started we we tore up a section of the floor that had these stains and it was down to like almost the subfloor so we're Ah. like it's going to be way too much work to fix this and then upkeep it so we ended up having to tear out an entire hardwood floor out of the entire downstairs of the house Mm. which is a bit of a bummer but we ended up putting in the ceramic wood look tile so it looks okay. like a nice hardwood floor right except there's no maintenance on it
1: right right that's got to be nice for sure for sure which is
0: very nice for my wife
1: yeah for sure for sure for sure so i know you're still working on it and and um you, it's livable you guys are living there mm-hmm. what is the next big project what's the next thing you have to tackle on this thing
0: um so we had started redoing the siding but we've gotten to a point where we wanted to we've always wanted to do the addition and we're planning ahead for it Mm -hmm. um so we stopped the siding we did the sides that were the absolute worst like where there's like no paint on it and the siding was starting to rot off the house so we replaced all that um and now the the next step is going to be uh we're going to be adding a three-car garage with living space above it so we'll have a wow. master suite, home office, a uh, big living room, and add another bedroom for kids, for the kids. So we'll have one for the girls and one for the boys.
1: Very nice. Very nice. And then that three-car garage, I mean, mm-hmm. is, is that is that the shop you're talking about? Or is that a totally no. different project? Okay. So that's
0: originally what my plan was for it. Um, okay. So basically it's going to be a, car, a a bay for my wife, a bay for – Me And then a Mm -hmm. bay for all of the small farm equipment like riding mowers and weed eaters and sprayers and things like that. Sure. Um, tiller uh, for the garden, um, just so that there's, we're not just stuffing it in a place that has space. And then we have to take everything out to get to one thing. (laughs) Sure. Type of thing. So we'll have that utility bay for parking four wheelers and yeah. yeah, all that type like of that. stuff.
1: So let's talk about this shop that you're going to build. That's, that's gotta be an app. Abs- so many people are like, like me working in what I have and trying to make mm-hmm. it work. Well, now you are able to build your own shop, set it up the way that you want it and design it. Tell us all about your design going into this, sh- this ultimate perfect shop for Hidden Rose <laughs>
0: Forge. So, the main shop space is going to be for my dad, obviously, because okay. it's it's his shop. Sure. Um, so it's going to be uh, 45 by 30, I believe is what the final number is going to be, or 50. Uh, Decent uh, size. So it's a very nice size. So it's it's big enough where you could park a very large vehicle in there if sure. you needed to. Um, but he's going to be using the space to build stuff Uh-oh. for his um,
1: house. I'm sorry guys, it it looks oh. Um, did we get you back? I'm sorry. I, I had a little bit of technical difficulties on I my think side. So. I lost you for just a second, but it looks like we're still going, so let's continue. So, it's it's a very large shop. Go ahead and tell me all about it.
0: Um, so it's going to be it's going to be like I said, a about 50 by 30 shop, somewhere okay. in that range. <clears throat> So it's going to have the two uh, car car bays. And he's going to be actually – the current plan is for once he's done with the house, he's going to start building custom trim for sale.
1: Okay. So he would be
0: able to order a profile and and whatnot. And that obviously takes a lot of space because you're going to be finishing things and that – takes a lot of space to, for for drying and and whatnot okay so the left side of the most of the space is going to be for him but then like the left side of the shop and at least a big a portion of the back of it is going to be space that i'll be able to use so i'll have about six times the space i currently have um and you're gonna I'll fill
1: have... it with six time stuff right
0: <laughs> uh, absolutely why yeah. wouldn't i yeah so I'm, my plan is to build a grinding room so that i keep the dust out of the rest of the shop the steel dust out of the rest of the shop um and also just for safety wise because you don't want to have it com- combustibles uh, sure sure in, right the, next to... in his shop space right mixing with uh steel sparks and things like that
1: well, y- all that sawdust all over the ground i feel like i would want to grind a knife right there that seems like the perfect spot
0: so we're still (laughs) figuring out the design of the dust collection system that we'll want to use and like i said we have time for that um but then i'll actually have the space to have my forge out all the time and not hide it away and because right now i'm i my forge is in my shop that has wood floors, and I don't really feel super comfortable with that. <laughs> um,
1: it's a good thing that my shop doesn't have wood floors because the amount of the amount of times I'm working on a knife and I drop it red hot, mm-hmm. it, your shop the shop would be gone. Like it's.
0: <laughs> so that's another thing with this whole building process that's been frustrating because I had a space outside of my current shop. Uh, which is mm-hmm. actually – I built it for my wife as a goat barn, and now it's full of knife-making stuff. Uh, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I had a space for it, and then in the process of doing the subdividing and split and permitting, we had to make our driveway a private road, which made us be required to make the road 20 feet wide, which – Cut into the overhang, the lean-to where I had my forge mm. in. So that's that. I had to take it down, and I had to put that somewhere. And then also we had to move one of our sheds because it was too close to the property line. Um, we had to demolish it because that's sure. where the sh- where the garage is going to go, and it was too close to the property line. Um, so yeah. yeah. So
1: permits have all absolutely... that
0: space that wa- was allocated for my for, for- dedicated forge space for- that was you know rock floor, mm-hmm. um, is now full of all the stuff from the shed that we had to move.
1: Mm,
0: when yeah, we, when these
1: permits these permits have absolutely screwed you over left right and center. It seems
0: a little bit, but yeah, you know I can't like that's just the way you have to deal with it. Yeah, um, yeah. And yes, it's a big pain, but right now, especially with the age my kids are and the way my forge is set up, I was having to wait a long time to make sure everything had cooled down to where I could put it away and where it would be safe and I wasn't Mm -hmm. having to worry about fire, which is a lot of time. And so I've been mostly doing stock removal knives Mm -hmm. in the meantime because I haven't been able to run the forge as safely as i want to uh with as much time management as sure
1: I, sure I want, I want to launch into talking about your stock removal knives though because for i mean the small shop space that you have you you are putting out high level i mean you can't see a grind line anywhere i think i almost wonder if that is because you you grew up under the tutelage of your father who i imagine is a big strictler on perfection
0: yeah, that that's definitely a big part of it, and right. um, I, I think that's specifically why a lot of my handle work um, is as clean as it is, because I grew up in a woodworking shop where, like like I said, with all that trim that we built, like we hand-sanded all that trim. Yeah, uh, wow. I didn't do a lot of it, but the little bit of it that I did help with was, I mean, you're doing the same type of thing with that trim getting all the scratches out because you coat it with varnish and like a lacquer finish. It pops everything, including all the scratch marks. Sure. So you have to get those all out. Sure. Sure.
1: I mean, I, I can't say enough, just how clean your work is. It's, it's really amazing just how high level it is. I, I mean, I, I don't know what else to expect from you other than just how, how pretty it is. And, um, you know, that that reminds me of the raffle you did just a little while ago uh, Mm -hmm. with your your daughter's eyesight surgery or I guess Uh, talk about talk about what happened there. And, you know, if you have something coming up, because I know I know that raffle got you to just about 50 percent of where you needed mm -hmm.
0: to be. Yeah. So it's for her eye therapy. She has what's called an amblyoma um, where basically she has a lazy eye. But it moves in both directions. As it moved in one direction, there's a surgery they can do that has a chance to fix it where they basically come in and score the muscle that's over-tightened to where she doesn't have to work as hard to keep her eyes straight. Okay. But because of how hers is, it moves in both directions. So a surgery at this point would do absolutely nothing. Mm. It would actually make it worse. Mm. Um and that's one of the frustrating things about the whole thing is the insurance medical insurance the th- eye therapy th- therapist is out of network of course so s- and vision insurance won't cover any of it mm. um so there's no none of the uh where you can fall in between both and where some one will cover some and the other will cover. So, like, a lot of time with stuff like that, you can get uh, one to cover the deductible for the other. (laughs)
1: Sure. Instead of being in the middle and being held like a hammock between the two, you have just fallen between the cracks.
0: Exactly. Um, So insurance will cover some of it, but because she's young and the sooner you can get to it, the more the higher the probability that they'll actually be able to get it fixed and the right. faster they'll be able to get it fixed because her eyes and her brain are still developing so much because she's mm-hmm. she's about six and a half um and with that like i said the it falls needing to do it right away that deductible which is then doubled because it's out of network um falls over two calendar years
1: mm-hmm. gotcha
0: so we have to pay of that course. deductible, that double the double the amount deductible twice. Um, Brian, so then we're, will we're... you,
1: Brian, will you ever catch a break in any situation ever? You get screwed on the insurance. You get screwed with the permits. Like what in the hell did you like break mirrors as a pastime as a kid? <laughs> like what's going on?
0: No, I actually feel blessed. To some extent with as soon as we found how early we found the issues that we have with ellie's eyesight Mm -hmm. because uh when i was born i was born with a cataract in my right eye and wow the doctor my my dad actually saw it the day i was born and he asked the doc they asked the doctors about it and they said it wouldn't affect my vision uh come hunting season when i'm six years old uh almost seven we're sighting in my 22, and I'm looking completely on the opposite side of how I'm supposed to be seeing to sight in and shoot my 22. Mm-hmm. So, my, my dad asked me why I'm doing that because um, I'm right handed and everything I do, but I'm trying to shoot with my left eye. Sure. Um, I said, I can't see it. And so, he brings out this paint can that had about four inch or yeah almost three inch tall letters okay at arm's length and i can't read it with my right eye wow so wow. i did uh i ended up having to do an extreme patching uh regiment to where i we basically did it as long as it was able to actually do anything so i ended okay. up patching from when i was like a little after I was 7 through when I was 10 because that's about when it stops working
1: explain to me what patching is because I, I don't know what that means so
0: basically it's I take a band-aid um, okay. that is large, oversized and stick sure. it over my good eye and okay. force my bad eye to work because my brain had decided oh I can't see out of this so I'm just going to never use it wow so I had to patch for 12 hours a day for almost 3 years. Wow. And so about the only time I didn't patch was when I was playing sports or I had one day a week where I didn't have to wear my patch.
1: So it's so that doctor deciding that you didn't need that as a baby really really screwed you over.
0: Well, it 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 probably didn't it would have it affected me longer, uh, having a poor eyesight for longer. But with glasses, I'm down to about a 2040. so I can legally drive if I was to ever lose my my bat my good eye. But again,
1: was, the bad luck continues, Brian. What the heck?
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I I just look at it this way: is that I got two eyes, yeah, and yeah. One one happens to be really amazing because it's like a 20 i'm like 2015 2010 in that eye and then the other one is subpar but it's still good enough
1: so it's almost like a superhuman eye you know it's it's a little bit better than it most man goodness so anyways (laughs) going going back to ellie's situation are you are you planning on doing any sort of you know raffle because you like you had said before you you got up to just about 50 percent you know, it would be really nice to be able to push you over that, that, that threshold.
0: Yeah. Um, right now, I'm trying to decide what type of knife I'm going to be doing. So I'll either be doing a stainless AEBL uh, chef's knife.
1: Okay.
0: I um, haven't decided yet between my Bowie chef or my uh, f- more French-style chef's knife. Um, but we'll be doing either one of those styles of chef's knife or a set of the of six steak knives. Okay, all and right. And we'll be doing that sometime between. Uh, we'll probably kick it off sometime around Thanksgiving. So it'll be great. right so around I'm... the holidays. So that we'll we'll close it in enough time where we can ship it before Christmas to where it will be to the winter by Christmas.
1: Great, great this episode like all of you listeners out there listening you guys know that it's coming out the first week of november so all of you guys i, I don't know i'm not going to try to put you on the spot but if this raffle is up and going go over to hidden rose forge and support him because we want to we want to support his daughter's you know what she has to do with with not surgery but the the therapy Mm-hmm. and you know the fact that you've you've gotten a raw deal it seems with almost every situation you possibly could it'd be nice if the support if the support of the community could pick you up out of the crack between the insurances and get you get you what you need to go you know that'd be awesome that'd be really nice for sure so pivoting one more time you just got back from Blade Show West yeah how was that experience
0: it was crazy like the it was a, so much fun uh, for one and got to meet so many awesome makers and and see some awesome work you know I get to see how much further I have to go in my my process to get to the level of some of these top end makers um, but I think the biggest thing I had uh, takeaway wise was i'm I'm a lot further along than I felt like I was okay that's good Obviously there's still a lot of a lot of uh ground I still need to cover as far as uh still getting better with the fit and finish and the sim- getting things symmetrical and mm. that's the thing I probably struggle with the most right now is getting my handles symmetrical I mean they're they're, sure. they're close but there's still a lot of uh room for improvement as far as that goes
1: Honestly, looking at your work, I really think if you decided to start using high-end premium materials, you would be right up there, honestly. Like, Mm -hmm. looking at your fit and finish, looking at your designs, the uniqueness with your Bowie Chef and everything else that you make, I mean, I really think that you're, you're not as far off as you think you are. And, of course, as makers, our eyes are always so much more critical on our work than they are for anyone else. But Yeah,
0: absolutely. Man,
1: it looks so good, man. It looks so good. So you, you went to Blade West with your family. Yes. that I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't been to Blade West, but being to a Blade Atlanta, um, I could not imagine trying to keep a nebulous, <laughs> you know, especially with the little kids running around. Oh, man, that's just a recipe to lose one.
0: Well, we, we had a wagon. Okay. And um of course my wife was there too, so I had another set of eyes when I got distracted looking at stuff to keep an eye on them. Sure. Uh so that was a big help. And my kids are awesome kids. They listen really well and when they found out that almost every single table had stickers that <laughs> got them that got them very interested in uh talking with every single person right. that they could talk to. So my daughter probably actually talked to, get to more sticker. people than I did yeah. over the weekend <laughs> just so that she could get her stickers.
1: Now, how many times did she start the conversation and then you had to, you know, you were planning on, you know, there's like with any, with Blade Show Atlanta, there's so many times where you, you there's just so many tables you have to mm-hmm. kind of walk by. And then I'm sure... How many times did your your kids stop and talk to somebody because they saw a pretty sticker and then you you continued the conversation?
0: I probably talked to twice as many people as I would have talked to <laughs> if my if my daughters hadn't been there okay. just because and, and the, yeah it was it was great because my kids are so different. like my oldest Ellie she saved every single sticker in a bag and then when we got Aww. back to our hotel, she took and very neatly put the stickers on in her sticker sticker uh journal oh nice um so she has like all the stickers super evenly spaced on on a piece of paper and it looks great then my then my next youngest lucy uh she took ev- all the stickers she had and put them on the bag that she was given to put her stickers in. So her nice. bag was completely covered in stickers. Sure, sure, sure. And then my youngest Henry, he took all his stickers and put them on himself. Sure,
1: sure. I mean that's that's just the stages of, you know, growing up as a young young kid. But oh, yeah. what's what's amazing to me is you know your dad had a, an eye for detail to become as high level of a woodworker work, or a wood craftsman as he became you have an incredible eye for detail for your knives and all of the other things you work on and now it seems like your your daughter Ellie has an eye for detail even if it's just evenly spacing out her stickers yeah. she's she's got that eye she's got it you, g- yeah. you got to nurture that how cool is that
0: yeah i've been trying to to any time I'm not doing something dangerous where she can't be in the shop, letting them be in the shop with me. Okay. Even though it makes it to where I hardly get anything done, it's super important to, mm-hmm. you know, take the time, A, to be a parent, and, B, to instill the ability to work with your hands and make stuff um, sure. together. I mean, it's that, that's some of the fondest memories I have growing up was, time my dad spent when he could have been making a lot more money uh, sure. working on something that was profitable versus spending the time working on a kind of a not to not to sound mean but a throwaway project with me sure
1: sure but I mean like you were just saying it's it's just the fatherly thing mm-hmm. you have to do it's the yes you lose out on monetary input Or I guess you lose out on productivity, which, of course, is money. But how much does your heart just feel 10 times bigger because you took that time?
0: Absolutely. And that's the other thing, too, is this is a hobby for me. It's not my full-time job. Um, So it's not like I'm losing out on actual income. This is, for the most part, a hobby that pays for itself for me. Sure, sure.
1: Now here's my question: Do you do you just make what you want to make and then sell it afterwards, or do you take customs?
0: I do some customs, but for the most part, I try to put as much of my spin on it as I can. Um, thankfully, for the most part, I have gotten most most of the custom orders I've gotten have been people that that they wanted to put some input into it, but they didn't come to me with a Fully fleshed out design and say, "I want you to make this." It's been more of a, "This is kind of the idea of what I I want." Um, and what do you think? Uh, how 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 do we want to finish doing the design on it?
1: I love those customers Which, because you can you can kind of do something experimental. You can do something a little bit different. You can go outside of that normal box that you're in, and you know it it'll, it'll make for a really good thing. Go ahead, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, and it it just makes dealing with your customers so much, so much easier. Um, sure, sure. Like, obviously, everybody's had a few that make it a little harder because they're constantly asking for this and that, and sure, but for the most part, I've been very lucky in that where my customers have been very happy with what I've made them, and and uh not really any complaints there that's awesome so if somebody wanted to
1: get on your custom book or find some of your already made knives where can they find that
0: um i post everything uh that i make on instagram and most of the time that ends up cross posting to facebook um and then i'm hoping that very soon here i'll have my website up so everything that's available will be posted there
1: Fantastic, guys. Go and check out Hidden Rose Forge, Facebook, Instagram, your website. Hopefully, by the time this comes up,
0: yeah, that will be uh, hiddenroseforge.com.
1: Hiddenroseforge.com, guys. Go and check it out. Go support my buddy Brian Hunt. Thank you guys all for listening. And Brian, thank you so much for sitting down for an hour and doing this interview.
0: Yeah, it was great.
1: I had a great time. Awesome. Thank you guys all for listening. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your working week. I'm Brian Brian Cohn talking to Brian Hunt. Man, I stumbled all over that. Guys, have a fantastic rest of your day. Bye. <laughs>